You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. Second to last message uh, from completing a series that we started. This will be the fifth week. And we started a series that we're talking about how we can fear less, right? How can we fear less? Fear less? How can we go into those dark places in our lives that, uh, that really scare us, that can bring phobias or anxiety? Uh, so many people struggle with anxiety. I was just talking with someone just this weekend uh, that said, I have such uh, uh, anxiety in my life. I, 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 and I, we prayed together, and, and he said, I can't overcome it. He's a big brute, big dude that, that, that said, I just struggle with anxiety. So those dark places in our life that, that all of us have that can, that can take us places that we don't want to go. And most of us avoid those dark places, right? And so I want to start out uh, this, this message by, by sharing something that happened last Sunday um, so we got done with our two services, and I'm getting ready to go to the Copper, Copper Corridor, our other campus, to preach at uh, 5 o'clock. And uh, our, our praise and worship, uh, uh, one of the uh, leaders calls me and says, hey, Pastor, you want to ride with me? And I said, definitely, I'd love to ride with you. So uh, Art Jacobo, you know, picked me up, and he, he, Art just bought a brand new truck. And it is bad to the bone. It is <laughs> As they say, it's sick, man. It is just, it is nice. And, and so he, he bought this truck. It's lifted about, you know, it's probably five, six inches. It looks like 10. And, uh, and so he picks me up. And, and my posture just changes when I get in the truck. You know, Art, th- thank you, bro, first of all. You're bad, dude. You're my hero. You're my superhero. Jacob's number one, but you're number two. Yeah. JJ's number three. Okay, don't, don't let him know. When he's here, he's number one because he's bigger than you. When he's here, he's number one because he's bigger than both of you. But <clears throat> um, so, so he picks me up in the truck, and I get in there, and your posture changes when you get in a truck. You know what I mean? You just, I mean, I, I went from being like this, walking, and I just went like this, and I stood in there, and I sat there. And right away, I got on the phone. You know, I got on the phone, and, and we're, because I'm going to pick up Mike, Mike West, our associate pastor. He's, he's waiting at the junction, and I told him, Mike, uh, dude, we're going to pick you up right now, and I hope you brought your man card, bro. <laughs> I hope. I hope you brought, hope you brought your, I hope, I hope Ruth let you borrow your man card just for, you know, we, when you're married, you have to check it out, right? You, it's not like if, it's not like if you carry it on you, it's kind of like, you know, kind of like our credit cards at the church, you know, you, you check them in and check them out. And so, yeah, he had to carry his man card. I actually told him something else and, uh, and I don't know if I should say it in church, but I am, I am. Yeah, I said, bro, you better get your cojones. That's what I said. And so, and so he, he, and that's all I'm going to say about That's another sermon, by the way. It's another series. And so we, we get to, to we, we pick up Mike, and, and something happened to Mike. I mean, he got out of the, he got a, he's got a patriot, a Jeep patriot. Jeep, you just say the word Jeep, and it's okay. You know, if you got a Jeep Wrangler, you got, you know, you got something, you, I mean, you, you get a, a Rubicon. I mean, you say Rubicon, then we're talking, Right. And so he gets out of this Jeep patron and, and, and looks at the truck, and he just, his posture, his position changed. I mean, I've always seen Mike as mild and meek, and he just, but he just came out and he said, what, what do you want, Pastor? <laughs> so what if I drink a nice coffee, dude? What, what, what are you going to say? What do you got to say about that? And so he, something just happened to him. I mean, he went into this dark place incredibly. You know, and I was like, "Wow!" And so we rode down to the Copper, you know, basin, and all of us. Now we were just like, you know, and, and so we got done. I preached, and I preached that that last Sunday. I think I preached over there different than any other Sunday, man. It was what? You need Jesus or what? <laughs> right? You need God. You need God. You didn't need God, bro. Yeah, you know, I even went south side, yeah, right? <clears throat> and so we got done, and we dropped Mike off. You know, we, we, you all have to go home, right? So we, we knew we were going to go home. I have to check in the man car, too, you know. We, hi, babe. Yeah. 
on the way over, you know, on the way over there, we're the boss. My wife, I ain't eating yogurt. Uh, kale? Are you kidding me? She's gonna give me them kale chips. I ain't gonna eat that kale. You get home and you eat those kale chips, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so we drop Mike off. You know, he pulled up to, to the to the, his patriot, and and I don't know why they do this. They just ruin things at the dealership. Because they, they, the, they signed the name of the dealership, and they put this, like, fancy <laughs> writing, right? So Mike, I said, dude, there you, you go to your truck, you know, the fancy writing, bro. And I'm writing in the truck still, right? So we get to this place, and Mike takes off, and we go home. I'm saying all that because I'm hoping that you men brought your man cards today. You know what I mean? When we serve God, we're, we're real men, Right? We do it up. We, we do it for God. I mean, you're serving the living God. And, and so all of you men that are here, I mean, you have, do you have your man card? Do you, are, you, are, you, are you leading your families? Are you doing the things that, that, that matter? You know, are you investing into your family's life? Because our society needs men that are going to serve God. They're going to be there for their wives. They're going to be there for their children. They're going to be a, 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 a foundation for their grandchildren. And we're going to lead a generation to be world changers for, for Jesus Christ. Can we do that? Can we give the men a big hand that are doing that? Huh? <laughs> Wives, can you give them their man card just for this day? You know, just let... So I, today I want to talk about the fear that we have of people. Okay? Have you ever been intimidated by someone in here? Have you ever been... Maybe have someone brings fear into, into your life. I think about there has been people in my life that they just intimidate me, right? Maybe a boss, a supervisor that you, you do work for. And when you're around them, you can't do anything right. I mean, you're doing everything perfect whenever they're not around. But when they come around, you scramble. You, you know, you get scared. I remember as a, as a young minister... Uh, we had a, a lead pastor that mentored us. I love him to death. He was amazing. But he would sit right there when I was preaching, right, right there where Jeff is. And, and, uh, and Jeff don't intimidate me anyway, by the way. But, but he did. Because <laughs> I love Jeff. But Pastor Bob intimidated me because he would sit there. And he'd go like this. He'd cross his legs. And he'd, have, and he'd start writing things. And then when I see him on Tuesday, he would say, he always go like this. You should have said this. You could have said this. And so I would be intimidated. I didn't care about everyone else, but I was thinking about Pastor Bob. We always have, or, or, or sometimes we have those people in our life that, that intimidate us, that they, they bring fear. And, 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 and now Pastor Bob made me a, a better communicator. He made me better in front of people. But, but in that time, it was like a dark place in our life. And all of us in here have those individuals, those people. It might be a group of people that bring fear to you and anxiety and maybe even a phobia. Did you know there's actually a phobia for people that are afraid to go in crowds? It's called anthrophobia. Anthro meaning people. Phobia meaning a fear and anxiety. And so you might be in here and you have uh, anthrophobia, you're just, something happens when you get in a, in, in a group of people and you can't talk with confidence, you can't uh, be the person that God's called you to be, and so God's going to speak to you today, and if you're on the podcast, God's going to speak to you if you're driving down the road, and, and, uh, and, and this is you, that you just, something happens when you're around certain people or a lot of people, and you get this great fear upon you. Um, I'm going to go to a scripture where, where King David is, is talking about this very subject. And it's a psalm where he's confronting his fear. He's confronting his dark place. And he's warring because uh, King Saul, who uh, David was going to uh, take that, that crown from, King Saul became very jealous of David. And he began to chase him around the, the, the nation around the, the cities and he wanted to kill him and so uh, David flees from Saul and this is what this whole thing about and then he goes to this city where the uh, Philistines are 
and, 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 and then he, he comes to a place where they're going to try to hurt him, and he acts like if he went uh, uh, crazy. He, he acted like he had some uh, he, insane and, and began foaming in the mouth and, and just to try to get away from him. And so we're going to look at what that, this looks like because some of us, it, it does make us crazy when we get around people. It does make us uh, uh, fear and anxious. And so uh, I want us to go to this passage right here in Psalm 56. So I'm going to start reading in, in verse 1. I'm going to read from the message paraphrase. And, um, and so we will see what the Lord has for us. It says, <clears throat> David says, take my side, God. You ever, you ever been there where you say, God, take my side because everyone's against me? That's exactly what he's saying. Take my side, God. I'm getting kicked, kicked around, stomped on every day. Not a day goes by, but somebody beats me up. They make it their duty to beat me up. When I get really afraid, I come to you and trust. I'm proud to praise God. I'm fearless now. So if you're fearless now, what happened before that? You were what? Fearful, right? When you say, I'm fearless now, I was fearful before. So he says, I'm fearless now. I trust in God. What can people do? That's what mere mortals mean. What can mere mortals do? And, and the, the reality is that there is no Superman, except for Jesus. All of us men, all of us women, we are mortals. We have a mortality. We have a start date. We have an end date. And in that in-between, in that dash or in that dot, 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 we all have trials. We have tribulation. And we have troubles with people. What are mortals going to do? What can they do? When you come to the place that you understand that if God is for you, who can be against you? It changes your perspective. That's exactly what my first point is. It changes your perspective. So I've got these three P's, I call them. Three P's that will help us to overcome the fear of people. And how many of you today would love to overcome your fear of people? Anybody in here just say, I want to overcome the fear of people. Maybe God will speak to you today. Right? The first P is perspective. And perspective is vital. It's like a vital sign. Like your blood pressure is vital. Like they check your blood pressure, like your, you know, your enzymes in your body. All these things are vital to your existence. Perspective is vital. And, and perspective is, is your attitude. Your attitude toward something. Your attitude toward people, certain persons in your life. Your attitude toward uh, a circumstance. It's your point of view. It's, it's the position that you take. So everyone has perspective. Everyone has uh, maybe a political perspective. You have a, 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 a social perspective who you hang out with. We're talking about people right here. You have a, a, a vocational perspective, how you act at work, how you look at your boss, how you look at your people. If you are a boss, you have a perspective. When the boss comes around, if you're like, man, he's a jerk, that's a perspective. If you say, you know what, he's not a jerk, he's, he's my boss, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to make him better by making this job better, it's a, it's a perspective. Right? It's an attitude of, of the fears that you face. It's an attitude in, in how you are in the dark places of your life. And your perspective, hear me, your perspective always changes with people and circumstances. So I just got back from L.A. last night. Got home about 10. I was there because uh, they, I was asked to do a service, a memorial service for a young man who passed uh, two weeks ago. He passed at uh, 30 years of age. And this young man had no signs of him being sick, perfectly healthy. Socially, he was many friends, liked, loved by many. There were probably 500 people at the service that, that we did. So popular that they got the, a part of the USC marching band to go play at the reception. 
When does that happen? When's the last time you had U of A marching band come and play at your reception? And so he came home after playing football. And his dad and mom noticed that he was short of breath, and he went to bed that night. He was short of breath, and the next morning he got up and said, I don't, don't, I don't feel good. Took him to the doctor, uh, and when they, when they were driving him, his dad from his own mouth told me, you know, I thought I was going to drive him, that he had the flu, or he had a, some kind of a, a cold or something, and he was short of breath, and they were going to go give him antibiotics, go pick up antibiotics, and everything would be well. They drove him to the hospital as they began to observe him, they ran some tests, and they found that his enzyme level was very, very high. There were some other things that came back that pointed the doctors to say, uh, this young man has had a heart attack. He had what they call a silent heart attack. And from that day when he went in, the next, uh, they, they began to monitor him, and they got his oxygen levels higher, and they got his blood pressure more regulated, not where it needed to be, but they got the levels to a safe zone, and they said, we're going to keep him overnight, and we're going to observe him, and as they kept him overnight, his dad went home, and from his own mouth, his dad tells me, I went home, and I said, God, as I was driving home, I said, God, if, if, I, if you can just let me sleep until at least 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, because I know that if he gets through the night, and if he gets to at least 7 or 8 o'clock, I know things are going to be better. And the phone rings at 5 a.m., his wife was at the hospital, and he said, she said, you need to get over here because they're going to incubate him now. They're going to put a air, they're going to put a, a, a tube, I think it's incubate. What, what is the word, Terry, Tracy? Uh, intubate. intubate. I make up words, Tracy. You need to understand that. I, if you're on the podcast, I can make up words better than anybody. So, in, in, what is it? I know that. I, I know Intubate, and you're a nurse, 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 okay? Uh, intu intubate. Intubate. She does that every time. Every, t every time I use some kind of medical term, she tells me. So they were going to put a, let's, let's just do it in the, in the vato kind of language. They were going to put a tube down, you know, and with air. It's not a funny thing, though, but so they're, they're, they're putting a, a tube down, and so the, the father gets there at, uh, you know, shortly after five, and they've already started the process, and they go to put the, 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 the uh, air down his throat, the air tube, and um, uh, when they were in the process, they had more, more assistants come in, more doctors come in, and the mom and dad are there outside of the room, but they could see uh, some of the things that were going on, and from there, it went to them giving him uh, chest compressions uh, to the doctor coming and saying to them, we lost your son. And so he is, is now gone. Perspective. His, the dad's words to the doctor were these words. What do I do now? What are you telling me? What do I do now? What are you telling me? So I sat with him when I got in L.A. and sat with his wife. She began to pour her life out to me and tell me about the situation. And then, uh, and so we pray. I prayed with the family. And as I'm walking out, I just want you to think about the word perspective. As I walk out with the dad and I'm get, getting ready to get in my car, he, we pass by and, and uh, the son had just, uh, he, they just, he just purchased a, a brand new Lexus special edition that the, he flew down to Oregon to go pick up the Lexus and drive it down. And um, they, uh, uh, he, he, he was walking past these vehicles and he said, look at this, look at, look at this, these cars, look at he said, uh, let, me, let me just tell you something. He said, I, all my life I've lived with deadlines and meeting, uh, meeting uh, budgets and, and over, uh, uh, you know, uh, exceeding all these things. I've done all this. So he said, look down the road. He said, see, that, that's my Corvette, and that's my other vehicle. All these vehicles, all this house of, you know, $1.2 million house that we were at. He says, all of this, he says, he says, 
It doesn't mean shh. You finish it. It doesn't mean poo-poo to me. I want my son back. Perspective. You see, our perspective changes in our dark places. Our perspective changes in our relationships with people. Our perspective is altered when we get to the most difficult places. What I love about this psalm, what I love about the the context is that David's perspective changed because he was in a dark place in his life. The person that he had served faithfully for years was chasing him, wanting to kill him. And the place that he went for refuge, the city that he went for refuge, he found that they wanted to kill him too. And he acted like if he was crazy. Or was he acting? You see, because in our dark places with people, doesn't it feel like if we're losing our minds? In my my darkest of places, in in the places that I've struggled the most, there's been times that I feel like if I'm losing it, And most of the time, I want you to hear me, most of the time in the darkest of places, it's concerning someone. If someone's been divorced, if you've ever gone through a a difficulty in a relationship, it's in that place. And God bless you if you have. God's not judging you. He loves you. But it's in that place with people that you feel like if you're losing it, like if you're going crazy. You've ever had a son or a daughter that, that has gone astray and, and they, they're, they're in a place that's, that's not only hurting themselves, it's hurting you, it's crushing you. You feel like if you're losing it, your emotional stability is just gone. Your mental uh, aptitude is gone. All these things are hurting your, your, your spiritual soul gets empty. And it's people. And David said, take my side, God. You ever been there? Take my side, God. Take my, Lord, look at what I'm going through. Take my side. I'm getting kicked around. It seems like every day I get up, there's something else happening. There's someone else. There's someone saying something else about me. Take my side, God. Not a day goes by that somebody doesn't beat me up. They make it their duty to beat me up. And you feel like if you're going to lose it, right? In those times, I'm going to be very honest with you, in those times that I've been at the brink of of, of losing it, every single one of those times has been because of people. And you know what I've learned? That there's not a tear that God doesn't see. There is not a gray hair on my head that God doesn't care about. Not you guys, but first service, they've given me a lot of gray hair. (laughs) They laughed when I said that about you too. (laughs) Every gray hair on my head God cares about. Every gray hair on my head came because of something. Every ounce of sleep that I have lost, God cares about. You ever gotten up at 3 in the morning and you can't sleep because you're thinking about a situation, you're thinking about a circumstance, you're thinking about a person? 
He goes on in verse 8, he says, you've kept track of every toss and turn through the sleepless nights. See, some of you think that God doesn't care in your anxiety, in your fear, in your phobias, in whatever you're going through. You might think, God, where are you? Every time you turned around not being able to sleep, God says, I care deeply about you. He cares about when you toss. He cares about when you turn. He cares about when you're just stressed to the core. He said, each tear entered into your ledger. He wrote it down, every tear. That tear was there was because of Jacob. That tear was there because of JJ. That tear was because of Cassie. I never cried too much for you, Jacob. You were a good boy. Each ache was written in your book. And when we understand that God cares and we understand that our outlook on others is really about perception, right? It helps us to navigate in those dark places in our life. Stephen Covey, uh, he wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's a good book. And he said this, he says, to change ourselves effectively. In other words, to change ourselves where it really works, we first have to change our perceptions. To change ourselves in a way that's going to be effective, not, not in, a, in, a, in a, I'm going to change for this hour, I'm going to change for this day, but to change in a way that's going to be effective, that is going to go the long haul, you have to start to change the way that you perceive things. You have to stop and pause and look at the way your perception is of everything around you. When you're the most fearful in that darkest of place, it's good to go there so you can say, why am I afraid of people? Let me tell you what I'm afraid of. As a communicator, every time I see a face that goes like this. Every time I see, there's several things that drive me nuts. One is when you're sleeping. That drives me crazy. I'm glad you took, you're taking a nap. That's wonderful. <laughs> the other thing is when, when someone, you know, is like, when is this going to be over? So people don't know what's going on in a pastor's mind. They don't, go, they don't know what's going on in a communicator's mind. They're, you know, I'm looking and someone's like... Or they're looking at the babies. You got all day to look at the babies. But the Lord, but the Lord, I'm saying that kind of in a funny way because God has helped. So you don't look at that and you say, you know what? The, the word of God is going to reach people just like for you in those dark places. You need to trust God to be with you to help you navigate through those places. So the second, the second P, the second P is persistence, okay? Persistence, persistence. And that's a firm, firm or obstinate continuance in a course of action, okay? I'm going to continue in this way, in spite of difficulty or opposition. You're going to keep pressing forward. The Apostle Paul said, not that I have achieved the goal, but I press on to that calling. That it's, in, it's in Christ. Persistence is um, the never-give-up attitude. I talked to a to a, a, a communicator, a, a pastor that that made he was a world changer, and 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 one time we were talking, and he said to me some words that I'll never forget. He said, "It's not that we were better." He's talking about another pastor that I respected. It's not that we were better than other pastors or other communicators. It was that we never gave up. You see, it's not that you're better. You're just like everyone else. Every person in here, in your fears, you got to put your pants on just like everyone else, right? you got to tie your shoes just like everyone else. You've got to go out just like everyone else. You've got to eat breakfast just, well, I don't know. We all eat breakfast different, but 
just like everyone else. But every one of us have a choice to see if we're going to go forward or if we're going to stop and revert back. You see, that couple that I met with, that I did this service for in California, they have a choice. And I said this at the funeral. They have a choice to not let their hearts be troubled, but to trust in God and trust also in Jesus. You have a choice with your problems with people. And the choice is, am I going to let them prevent? Or am I going to let them prevent everything that God has for me? Or am I going to push and press on with the power of God? How many of you know this guy from, he's a prince from Bel Air? So Will, my bro Will, he's, he, he, taught, he says this story where he's about to skydive, right? Because he was saying some things the night before or the week before and talking a lot of stuff that I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And someone said, I bet you won't do it. You ever done that? You ever talk to people and you say, I'm going to do this. And then they say, I bet you won't do it. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. And you're like, oh my goodness, what, am I, what did I say? So he gets to this place where he's going to skydive, and he, and he actually goes out and he executes this. But he, it was the greatest fear because he had a great fear of heights, right? And, and, and Will Smith said this. He said, in facing your fear, you realize that the point of maximum danger is the point of minimum fear. Let me just pause it right there because your greatest fear is way before you get to that place. My greatest fear, my greatest fear is not when I'm here. My greatest fear is when I'm there. My greatest fear is when I'm driving, saying, Lord, help me to speak things that are going to be edifying. Help me. And all this noise is coming and saying, you're not going to be able to do anything. You're this and that. Your greatest fear is not at the place of greatest danger. That's where it all leads you. Guatemalan missionaries, your greatest fear is not when you get there and, and minister, it's before you ever get on the plane. That's why I get phone calls. My wife, uh, is she going to be okay? Or, or my, my husband, is he going to be okay? Well, we believe so. We be- we're not going over there to kill him. I mean, I mean, some of them we think about it, but no, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, you can get killed at Walmart, right? They're going to go to Guatemala. Well, what are the the Guatemalans going to do? He said, you realize that the point of maximum danger is a point of minimum fear. The best things in life are at the other ends of your fears. Okay, so over 30 people gave their life to Jesus at this memorial service. Over 30 people. I come from a generation where I was the first born-again Christian in the whole family. Some of the the pillars, the matriarchs, the patriarchs of our family raised their hands to give their life to Jesus Christ. My greatest fears will prevent me from the greatest, greatest accomplishments that God can do. If you're afraid of people, it's because that fear wants to stifle you from what God wants to do in you and through you. People are people, and God is God. You're going through a breakup right now. You're, you feel like if you're abandoned. You feel rejected. You, you, just, you, don't even, you don't even know if you like people anymore. And you fear what's going to happen. Let me tell you, You're going to walk through that fear. You're going to walk through that breakup. And if you keep God at the center, your greatest victory is coming. David said this, if my enemies run away, if they turn tail when I yell at them, 
they now know that God is on my side. Sometimes we yell, hey, fear, get out of here. And it doesn't leave. But when you say, hey, fear, get out of here, and God's at your side, whatever you're facing runs. I'm proud to praise God. I'm proud to praise God. I'm proud to praise God. Say that with me. I'm proud to praise God. That, 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 that habit that you have, I'm proud to praise God. I can overcome it. I can overcome it through Jesus. I'm fearless now. I fear less now. I fear less. I can go in that dark place. I trust in God. What can people do to me? Because now, I'm going to wrap it up in a little bit, okay? I got about another 35, 40 minutes. And by- Eating. I want to have a steak, bro. So you know. <laughs> because now, right? Now when you continue to move forward, you have a new position. That's your third P. You need a new position. And position is the key to how we live. All of us have a position. There was a day that I had a position of anxiety on me. That's how I came to Christ. I had great anxiety. And I had this posture. So the posture, the posture of someone that is, that is filled with faith is like this. You have a different posture. You're upright. When you have a posture of fear or lack of confidence, your posture is like this. You have a different position. There's some people that are going to be baptized today. Amazing men are going to be baptized today. There's some men that, that I've come to know, and, and these guys are hunters. These guys are, are they've, they've gone different places, and, and they're real men, and they're standing up, and, and they're going into the water with a different posture, and they're going to come out of the water. They're going to go into the water as ones that are, were not in Christ. They're going to come out of, out, of, out of the water as those that are now in Christ, and they'll be able to stand upright before God and before people. Because Jesus makes all things new. They'll be able to say, I'm proud to praise God. Right? I'm fearless now. I trust in God. What can people do? Can you say that to yourself this week? Is that something you can say to yourself? Hey, I am proud to praise God. You know, I can trust God. I can, I can, what is, what are people going to do to me? What is this situation going to do to me? Nothing. I'm going to get through it through the power of God. Psalm 116, it says, the Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. How many of us have trusted in people and they failed us? God never fails us. Never. Never. So sometimes, let's let's just all sit up right now. It's just a good posture. Let's just sit up. Sometimes we've got to take a different posture. You know what I mean? Doesn't that even feel better? You know, they used to at school, now we're politically correct. We don't even tell our kids to sit up, right? But I remember when I was going to school, you couldn't slouch, right? You have to have posture. That's good for you. My daughter, my daughter, when she she had a surgery, right? Remember that? She had a surgery, and she began to slouch. And you know what I did with Cassie? I said, Cass, come here. I don't want you to slouch. I, get that book. For three months straight, I, every day she'd come home. She'd have to put a book on her head, and I'd have her walk. That's why she walks so sexy. <laughs> don't judge me. Don't, don't be judging. It's not my fault, you know, she's, you know, the queen. And I always told her that. You're the queen. You're the princess. See, the po- your posture. Young lady that in here, you're in here, you're beautiful. You're beautiful in the eyes of God. You're beautiful. You need to know that your posture is important. 
And here's my last verse, and we're going to just about get done. It says, God, it says, God, you did everything you promised. And I'm thinking, I'm thanking you with all of my heart. You pulled me from the brink of death, my feet from the cliff edge of doom. And now I stroll at leisure with God in the sunlit fields of life. Hear me now. So we were in the dark places of our life. And now because of your new position, your new posture, because you persevered, because you overcame, now you see some light in that dark place. Now the people, they don't look like giants. They're just people. And you overcome through the power and the love and the blood of Jesus Christ. We're going to go baptize some people right now. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to get in the water. And if you're not baptized, we'll baptize you right now. What are you waiting for? Be new in Christ. Let God change your life. He's the best thing in the world. Let me tell you what a wise man told me just this weekend. He said, I had all these cars. I got the Corvette right there. I got this. And they don't mean, shh, you finish it to me. Because nothing matters without God. Nothing is important without Jesus. So I have a prayer we're going to pray, and it's in, your, it's in your handout. Please pull it out right now if you have it. Because there may be a person that is bringing a lot of anxiety into your life. There may be a person that's bringing a lot of fear into your life. And I want for you to put that person on your line right there. And if it's a group of people, you can put that there as well. So I'm going to lead you in this prayer. But I want you to take this home this week. And I want you to start to pray it over your life. It's simple. It says, God, thank you for your love and grace in all areas of my life. I confess my insecurity and anxiety that overwhelms me in the presence of put that person in that line. And it's between you and God. In the presence of this certain person or crowds of people. And thank you for helping me face my fear of individuals or crowds through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not only will I face my fear of people, but thank you for the ability to conquer it in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone that believes that say amen and amen. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? So if you will bring me that, let's, before we go into the worship, let's go ahead and give out these. Sean, will you come up, baby? And bring a microphone. Do you have the mic? You see the microphone? Okay. Amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.